Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for getting ahead as a student, but a terrible resource for learning how to transport your malevolent AI into a potato. My name is Thomas Frank. I'm here as always with my good friend Martin. And in today's episode, 100 of our favorite quotes. Sorry, scratch that. Six. Oh. Six. Are- <laughs> That's good, because I'm not even sure I could list 100. I'd have to just make up a bunch of stuff. Uh, just take a Dr. Seuss book, take every single sentence, and say, that's one of my favorite quotes. Except, well, I mean, some, some of the, my books, I have like tons of really good quotes I could pull out of, but 100 is still, I need to intake more data. I can do 100. Easily. I got to intake more articles and more books to get 100. I mean, honestly, the hardest part of this episode was coming up with just three. Because... <laughs> I've got so, three in like... 10 below it that i have marked as not chosen yeah on my um my newsletter that i send out every week i put a quote at the bottom and it's usually just like something that i've listed in evernote or something that really stuck out to me and i've been doing the newsletter since i think like april of last year oh so i have that many quotes oh okay however many weeks it's been since april (laughs) and then also more that i've just bookmarked in books and all kinds of stuff like that okay and where where do you get your quotes just like things I read. Like are they or like... Or uh, sometimes things people say to me. Like one of my favorite quotes on here that we're, I'm going to talk about is just something that an old boss of mine told me. Oh. While we were in a You're golf fired, Thomas. That was what it was. Yeah. Good quote. You're fi- Actually, you know what? I probably could have put that on my list too. <laughs> I did get fired from a job once. Yeah. Yeah. That was a learning experience for You done sure. goofed. I think we've talked about that in the podcast before. Uh, anywho. So... I guess like kind of the inspiration for this episode came from that four mindsets video that I did a few weeks ago because we were filming it. And I think it was you who said like we could do a podcast on every single one of these mindsets Yep, on its own. And it got me thinking, I was like, yeah, simple ideas often spawn good conversation. So I thought that we could just take some, some of the quotes that stuck out to us. Uh, I chose six because I thought that three each was actually quite enough for a full episode's worth. I thought if we went to like 10 or 20, it would just be like a four hour long episode and then Anna would leave me or at least leave her job. But then we would have a really good episode on what lessons we learned from that. Uh, that's true, yeah. So we're sacrificing Overload. that episode right now. Overload your girlfriend with work, uh, then she leaves you and then you learn a lesson. There's lots of lessons in there. That's true. There are a lot of lessons there. Uh, so we're going to go through six quotes and I'm going to let you start with your first one. All right, well, uh, the first quote I'm going to pick is from my first or second book. My quotes actually come from fiction. Like um, your first book that you ever read, ever? Um, no, my first or second favorite book. Mm. The Thousand Autumns of Jakob de Zut by David Mitchell. And the quote is, knowledge exists only when it is given. And I really like this. It kind of inspires me to share what I learned with other people. It helps with Mm -hmm. this in particular. I thought about it a lot when I was teaching English for a while, at uh, teaching refugees English in a church. And it's just sort of a reminder that if I figure out all this stuff or I think really hard and I don't use it to help somebody or to help other people help other people and I don't propagate the the things that I think about or discover, then they don't do anything it's not helpful and we we exist as a community yeah you know no no man is an island to use a quote to partially explain my quote (laughs) but you know like da vinci discovered things that weren't discovered again 
for centuries. Yeah, that's true. Because he did not share them with people. He didn't care to. And because of mm-hmm. that, humanity could not have benefited from his ideas. Yeah. And, I remember reading uh, that Isaac Newton had basically no intention of publishing the Principia Mathematica. Like, yeah. He was just going to let it rot in a drawer because he was kind of a recluse. And then, um, you know, I always forget the person. Oh, someone in the comments always tells me, but somebody convinced him to share it with the Royal Society. And that's why we have calculus. Yeah, it's sort of just a, a reminder that we, we can't function alone and we should be figuring out whatever we can to help each other as a community because that's how every generation gets to do slightly more things mm-hmm. than the previous one because we've been building on this forever. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of how I, I've started thinking of the world as like kind of one giant interconnected organism. And I know like a lot of religions and philosophies will think of it this way, but I think mine is a more pragmatic view where just like, like the whole no man is an island thing. We can do very little on our own. I mean, on our own without all the infrastructure and all the work that came before and all the communications that we have, we would, I don't know, be mildly good at surviving in a jungle. Yeah. But all this work that has been done, all this collaboration that's happened, all this knowledge that's been propagated has allowed us to build up a society where I can talk to you and put out in information to the internet, you know? Yeah, whereas otherwise every single generation needs to reinvent the concept of housing, yeah, self-protection, mm-hmm. just from scratch, like we're a little baby, like I better build a baby weapon because I'm going to get eaten. Yeah. That's no good. What's a baby weapon look like? I think it's like a rattle with a like <laughs> a spikes on it. N- yeah, a knife or something on it. <laughs> like a bayonet. Maybe put like a few of them on there, you know. Just so it's a, now it's a mace. Yeah, it's basically yeah. a baby mace. That actually seems reasonable for a baby. Mm-hmm. In the sense that it could you know, swing it around. Not in that not that babies should have <laughs> a mace. I just think that they how could How do you know? I think they would know how to use it. Maybe the knowledge hasn't been shared yet. Yeah. Maybe that knowledge doesn't exist yet. Yeah, but if we all had to start from scratch, <laughs> we would be basically nowhere. Yeah. So do you know how long ago you read that quote? Um, I mean, I guess I could find out when I read that or like, book. Or like generally how I long don't... ago? Was it like when you were a kid, like several years ago? A few years ago. Okay. Do you think it's like changed the way you go about your daily life or like your goals or? Well, it just makes me want to, I want to share the things I learned. Mm-hmm. I've been writing a, a language learning article mm-hmm. recently and... Like, I have this huge drive to share all of the random things that I've thought of or discovered or tried and failed. Yeah. And I just have this urge to help people with anything that I end up decently good at or that I discover something that I'm bad at. And, like, here's why I'm bad at it and why a different method might be better. Yeah. I just, I don't, teaching seems to be almost an instinct Mm -hmm. at this point. I just want to. Yeah. Something I think about a lot is how many people there are in jobs who have been working those jobs for 30 40 years and like how many of them have actually written down what they've learned to pass on to the people who are going to replace them like probably not a huge amount and that's probably going to be a problem you know in a lot of industries so oh yeah that's why legacy stuff yeah gets stuck because then nobody new can come in and fix it and you're like the one dude who still knows fortran yeah it's like we we could just code new apps in like node.js or like i don't know mcdonald's.js that's the next one that's coming out. like eventually you have the same problem where nobody knows it because they but everything that's currently working is running on old systems and like barely anyone knows how to how to work them 
Yeah. So we're just like hoping that they they keep running and we can't upgrade things. Uh, and so it looks like I, I read that book two years ago. Three no. years, April 21st, 2016, almost three. Oh, hey, that was during my reading challenge. Oh. Which I would like to resume after I pick up the shambles of my life. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess I should probably mention to all the listeners who are like, why does it sound different? Um, I have moved. This is a new house. And yeah. the video audience can see that we have put a lot of work into the set so far. It's very complex. <laughs> We've got our patron saint, Cave Johnson, on the wall and nothing else. <laughs> you can imagine that the entire house is set up just as well as this studio. And you would be right. <laughs> I, hey, the office is set up pretty well and the basement set up pretty well. But yeah, the studio has not gotten a whole lot of TLC. Well, so I moved and I just, I got this insatiable desire to reorganize my entire life which i mean that was it's been a long time coming you know various systems were in a state of decay and they were working but um it's like the whole like you spend so much time working in your business you don't have time to work on your business yeah you spend so much time working in your systems you don't have time to work on your systems and due to holiday travel and a million different things that happened throughout december and january i was basically just working all the time on getting content out and moving and helping people move and all kinds of stuff uh, that I have not had time to revamp my systems. Uh, and I remember reading in The Power of Habit that people tend to change their habits when they move. Like yeah. people are very likely to change the brand of breakfast cereal they eat when they move to a new house. And uh, that's very true. We moved to this house and I was just like, I want to revamp my Evernote setup, which is coming next week. And I want to finally clear out my to-do list and I'm, you know, all these things. Yeah, it's so. really, really cool. Like, we're so habit-based, yeah. and that part is both, you know, good and bad. But it's really cool that as something as simple as just moving yeah, can change all of it. It just upends all of your routines. That's why every time totally I go on a... Place. Every time I travel, I, like, come back with a million ideas in my head. I'm, like, yeah. dictating notes in the car. Mm -hmm. And... You know, then I, as soon as I step back in the apartment, I'm like, because ah, <laughs> you realize I can't oh, do wait. those ideas. I got a bunch of things I got to do. Dang it. I have to unpack. I have yeah. to put on pants. Ugh. It's like it like I'll becomes the Thursday. old habits immediately. But for yeah. just that brief shining moment. Yep. Life is new. And I guess like, here's a question. How do we capture that and act on it? Maybe that should be an episode. Yeah. How to capture and act on the motivation you get from travel or moving or cool. Experiences. Yeah. How do you not slide right back into the stuff? Yeah. How do you not you're slide back of. into the daily slog? That would be an interesting episode. Uh, all right, so let's move on to my first quote. So yeah, people, now they know the, the sound quality is not nearly as good because I haven't gotten time to put a thousand bricks of foam on the wall yet. I tried. He took them all down. <laughs> I did. It's his fault. That's entirely. because they were too straight. I want them a little crooked. Oh, okay. See? Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> and I was amused at how crooked the picture was. Pretty sure we're crooked, actually. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I have no idea Cave how Johnson, level the house is. Cave Johnson couldn't possibly be crooked. No, not at all. All right. My first quote is from the artificial intelligence researcher, Eliezer Yudkowsky, who also wrote Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. And the quote goes like this. Do not flinch from experiences that might destroy your beliefs. The thought you cannot think controls you more than the thoughts you speak aloud. Submit yourself to ordeals and test yourself in fire. Relinquish the emotion which rests upon a mistaken belief and seek to feel fully that emotion which fits the facts. 
If the iron approaches your face and you believe it is hot and it is cool, the way opposes your fear. If the iron approaches your face and you believe it is cool and it is hot, the way opposes your calm. Evaluate your beliefs first and then arrive at your emotions. Let yourself say, if the iron is hot, I desire to believe it is hot. And if it is cool, I desire to believe it is cool. So this, and I think like this quote is a great distillation of a lot of the rationality concepts that I started learning about when I read that that ridiculous Harry Potter fan fiction, yeah. which is a thinly veiled attempt to teach people about rationality and heuristics and biases and all these things. But um, before I read that book, I was a much more dogmatic person. And I, I don't think that I was the kind of person who wouldn't change my beliefs in the face of evidence, but I was much more likely to go seek out evidence that fit my beliefs to challenge observations I would make. And I was mm. very much the kind of person who was like, principles matter and uh, morality is objective and all these kind of things. And then I read that book and I started to question a lot of my beliefs and I started to try to become the kind of person who has like this almost constant mental loop of evaluating my own mental models and beliefs given the observations I make, given the evidence I receive. And I think like that process made me a person who is more open to being wrong, um, more able to ask how am I wrong? And I think it's made me more humble and also like better able to to believe what is true. So, yeah, and I mean, that book was, like the fictional book was the one that sort of unlocked all that in my head, but I think this was a, it's a good distillation of it. Yeah. And anyone who wants to read, and anyone who doesn't want to read a Harry Potter fan fiction, but does want to read about rationality and wants to become more rational, um, lesswrong.org has an entire series of articles that he wrote that are, not fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. They're just good articles on many of those topics. And I think that like going through some of the introductory series on there uh, is a good idea. Yeah. So that's my first one. You're making my quotes look short, Tom. Oh, the other ones are really short. Oh, okay. That was the one that was long. So. Yeah. It's so interesting <laughs> how that, that fanfic happened to do like the same thing for you that um, Kurt Vonnegut's Sirens of Titan did for me mm -hmm. with the whole morality is more much more subjective than i originally wanted to think yeah and and things are often not what i think i might be wrong mm -hmm. so the next quote will just be from that book oh is it okay yeah from the sirens of titan um i was a victim of a series of accidents as are we all mm. and I, I really like this quote this is sort of a reminder that uh nobody gets to really be a hundred percent better than anybody because yeah. to a degree a, a large a large amount of our lives is sort of luck i was born in yeah. iowa in this particular body with this particular mind to my particular set of parents mm -hmm. for you know no apparent reason yeah. and i could have been i could have been gandhi instead but i didn't that's true i yeah. didn't be gandhi oh well but yeah. yeah it's just you know like we're we're all just people people are just people and uh, you can't just judge anybody based on, I don't know, situations that they're in or maybe where they come from. Or you're like, yeah. that culture's weird or something like that. But you could have easily been a... It's completely random chance that you're not that. Yeah. It's all like it's, a cosmic roll of dice. It's like, yeah. So... Your sentience and consciousness was imbued into a specific body because of factors completely out of your control. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's it's actually another thing that's like... 
you might be wrong because the culture you grew up in, the things that you grew up believing in, also a product of random chance. If you grew mm-hmm. up in a in a religious household and you're very religious, that religion was probably largely brought to you by your parents. Yeah. What if you had had parents that weren't religious? Mm-hmm. Would you have found your same way to the same religion? Maybe, but you don't know that. Yeah. So ev- everything is just more complex than one might want to think. Simplicity seems nice. Yeah. But that's not necessarily what we have when you want to get down to human beliefs and i think that word victim might be a little misleading here oh yeah well it fits the we're all a victim fits the story pretty well but we're all also a benefactor of random chance so i don't know like successful people have a tough time attributing their success to factors beyond their control or or maybe they will you know they'll throw that that part of it a bone but then they're you know they'll come right back to all the work they put in yeah. And you notice a lot of people will say like, well, I've gotten to where I am because I worked hard. I had a good work ethic, all these things. And uh, spam callers decided to call me on my iPad, which weirdly broke Didn't... through my do not disturb. So thank you, spam caller. Huh. I guess that spam caller. We should have also... answered him and put him on. They could have been guest. Uh, yeah. Hey, spam caller. Uh, do you know that you're a victim of random chance? But we're going to give them an existential crisis. You have a choice to not spam call me and to go and do something useful with your life instead. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so I want to say like, uh, you know, people that are in successful positions often don't acknowledge the fact that random happenstance plays a large role in where they are. Well, it doesn't feel good to say that. It doesn't feel good. No. Um, But like if you like picture yourself in a tougher position, it would be much easier to ascribe a, a rough position to random chance. And if I were to go get like, I don't know, hit by a car today and I'm just dwelling on my broken body and I'm suffering. I would have probably said like, that's random chance. You know, I wouldn't have, you wouldn't say I'm so dumb. I get hit by cars. I was just an idiot. I stepped out into the road. Wasn't looking where I was going, looking at my phone. No, it was like, why did I have, why did that car have to be there at that exact second? Yeah. We only want to take credit for what, what seems good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know when, when dwelling on your successes, I think it's important to, um, understand the role of serendipity. Yeah. You know? And on, on the other hand, though, not it's not like you you can still work hard and do stuff. Right. Like, I firmly believe the, the way to get to success is the when you first get your foot in the door, that's often random chance. But mm-hmm. if you're not prepared for that random chance, or you haven't been putting yourself out there, you won't get that chance. Yeah. And then, and then as soon as you get your foot in the door, you have to, like, fight as hard as you can never to let it close. Exactly. Never. Yes. But so part of it is chance. But it's up to you whether you do anything useful with the good chances you have. Yeah. And this isn't on my list, but there was a quote by, I think, Jim Rohn that was like, success is um, is simply fundamental principles put into action day after day after day. Something like that. I, I'm paraphrasing. But it's true that, you know, an opportunity may come at a random interval, but it's up to you to both seize on it and then continue to uh, exploit it, you know, over time. Like... There are many, many random chances that have allowed us to build this business. But if we were just like to stop caring or to start putting out like crap content that you're not going to be able to take advantage. It of wouldn't do anything very long. Exactly. Right. Like you have to keep working. <clears throat> and even with the whole random chance thing, like I believe the more work you put in, the more consistent effort you put in, the more chances come your way. Or maybe a more accurate way to say it is uh, the the more you put yourself in the correct position to take advantage of an opportunity. Yeah. So like, you know, maybe a famous YouTuber crosses your path and like you never put in any work. So nothing happens or the same thing happens, but you've been putting in tons of work for years and they're like, hey, 
I think I've actually seen your videos before. And then you start talking and all kinds of cool things happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, to use another cheat quote, this is going to be conversation <laughs> in quotes on accident. Six quotes but plus another bonus Another quotes. quote that I came across looking for this, it's in the, the Thousand Autumns of Jakob de Zut again, but mm-hmm. I don't know that they're not quoting a real quote. They might be, but it's one it's pays... One pays an army for a thousand days to use it for one. And I think that's pretty mm-hmm. relevant here. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think about that a lot. Like, a lot of what we pay for is an option. Like, I am not currently at the climbing gym. Yeah. And I didn't go yesterday. Should have gone. Honestly, it was very, very, very busy yesterday. I'm not watching um, Netflix right now. <laughs> but, you know, I'm paying however many, like 80 bucks a month. For my membership because it gives me the option of going and using that resource anytime i want yeah same with like insurance like my yeah. house is not burning down knock on wood i think this is wood is bamboo considered wood bamboo it's not technically a like a more of a grass type no, thing it's there's nothing i don't know if that's, that's technically MDF. what i would I call it wood. but yeah so the house is currently not burning down but if it did on the off chance i am going to be very thankful that i had insurance you know yeah and actually, I don't think it really counts. Like, I don't think that example actually holds up because I don't own this house. So the landlord's going to be very thankful that he had insurance. They will be very thankful. I'm going to be very very thankful that I had renter's insurance for all my stuff. wonder how many, Still. like, cheat quotes we're going to sneak <laughs> in here in our descriptions of other quotes. We've at least put in there two? At least, well, there are three more because I used one and then you used one and then okay. I just... <laughs> three cheat <laughs> bonus quotes. Tons of them. All right. Uh, are we good to move on to the my second one? Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so this one is from my my old boss um, at my Cyclone A job, Liz Kurt. And I don't know if this is the exact phrasing because she said it to me in an annoyed tone of voice on a <laughs> golf cart. <laughs> this is not something you're going to find written down this is, until now. This is from a holy text. <laughs> um, but the quote is, it's not the thought that counts. Presentation matters. And I don't remember, I think, I don't even think this was related to our job. So for some background, uh, I had a job in college called being a cyclone aide, which was basically doing all kinds of stuff for new student orientation. We gave tours for all the new students coming in and prospective students. We set up the whole like new semester orientation thing. We hired speakers. We did all the event planning, like all that was us. Dorm tours, Q&A sessions, whatnot. So we were in a golf cart going across campus doing something. And I think we got on the topic of wrapping presents. And I had said, like, my grandma's so good at wrapping presents. It's like, if you know, if life were pixels, it would be like pixel perfect wrapping. And I'm terrible at it, but it's okay because when you're giving a gift, the thought that it's the thought that counts. And she was like, no, no, when you're <laughs> giving the gift, you wrap the present properly. And if you can't do it, you should go learn how. There's YouTube. It's not the thought that counts. The presentation matters because putting effort into the presentation shows that you care. And that stuck with me for a really long time. I mean, it still does. Because, like, I, I think like the, it's the thought that counts. It's kind of like the whole, like, oh, he's got a heart of gold. It's mm. like one of those sayings that sort of, like, dismisses a negative quality that somebody could definitely rectify. And she says, like, well, it's okay that that person is kind of a jerk or, like, doesn't put a whole lot of effort into what they do because they're lovable. Or, like, you know, they love me. All these kind of things. And... Even if somebody does love you, you love them, like, I don't think that is a good reason to justify allowing a negative trait that could be changed. Yeah. You know? Well, if it's the thought that counts, why aren't you expressing that thought? Yeah. Because, like, yeah, if you're just like, oh, you know, I 
I remembered your birthday like three days late and I'll get a card in the mail like next week, but it's a thought that counts. It's like, no. I was going to buy you a new car, but like I'm I'm not going to, <laughs> but I thought about it for I was, just a second. Yeah, I was going to donate to charity, but I just clicked a Facebook like button instead. You know, it's, that's the same. No, it's not the thought that counts. Like do things correctly. We can all do things better. Yeah. You know, and we're not going to be perfect, but I, I think like that's a good North star to point yourself to. You know, if you're going to give someone a present, like put in the effort to make that present awesome, like make the presentation great, make the, the experience of opening it a great one. Don't be just like, Hey, happy birthday. Got your video game. I forgot to wrap it, but it's, you're going to play it. Like who cares about the wrapping, right? Like, all right, that's fine. They're probably going to enjoy playing the video game, but wouldn't they enjoy it more if you're like, hey, I remember your birthday. I wrapped this. Like, happy birthday. I thought it, I don't know. Well, it's like the gift The gift still works. It still counts, but you're showing that like the, the actual giving of the gift isn't important to yes. you. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm checking off that box. I have given you a physical item of some monetary value as a token of my... I don't know, informal debt bond to you as a human yeah. relationships. <laughs> I think that every time. <laughs> That's exactly. Specifically. In those words. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We uh, exist in a certain proximity to each other and we've known each other for a certain amount of days, weeks, and months. Therefore, I feel <laughs> some sort of weird biologically derived kinship to you. I would like this balance to continue. Therefore, yes. here is something that may continue it. <laughs> The anthropological research I have done has led me to believe that if I do not give you some sort of physical token of my appreciation, that uh, our relationship will not continue and I will not receive something in kind when my birthday comes around. And all I'm saying right now is, look, buy me a new boat. Yeah. When my birthday comes around. Everybody needs a boat. Everyone needs a new boat. All right. What's your third quote? My third quote. We got through that without a cheat quote, I think. Ooh. My third quote is from... uh the book The Girl Who Fell Beneath Fairyland and Led the Revels There by Catherine Valenti. Hey, I read the first one in that series. Yeah, it's uh, great. She's good at, she's got the best words. Um, she does. That book, like, that book is YA. Oh, it's very spent, cleverly written. I spent time looking up definitions to words. I love when stuff I read like it, that. Like, two years ago. It's beautiful. Yeah. So uh, the quote I got is, I shall not be afraid of anything I haven't even seen yet. Mm. and uh i really like this because a lot of fear a lot of anxieties that people have and at least that i have you know are more so about the concept of like it's the fear of being afraid later yeah the possibility of something not being great like and and this sort of a thinking helped me do the whole get on a plane for the first time thing because it was like well i don't even like everything that i'm anxious about concerning a plane is stuff that i've imagined i've never experienced it i don't yeah. actually know that it is scary or anxiety yeah. inducing i have no idea but i'm imagining it might be mm-hmm. so i'm going to avoid it and if you have some sort of second layer thing like that you'll avoid everything because everything could be anxiety yeah. inducing uh, being afraid to be afraid is going to cut off a lot more than just trying stuff and then saying yep i hated that i'm mm-hmm. not going back yeah that makes sense. Speaking of fear, I've been thinking a lot about like, like the fear of loss. Cause like, I don't know, as, as we get older and as we acquire more and kind of like set up our lives, like I feel like there's more, there's more to lose. So it's easy to operate more fearfully. 
And I don't know if it's like yeah. so much the fear of something I haven't seen yet. And maybe it is. Maybe it's like it's disguised because you, you know there's something to lose. So you think you know what you fear, but I don't know. I don't know. Well, it doesn't feel good to lose things. No, it does not. Like, I, I think we've talked about this in the podcast before, so I'll say it. Like, at some point, we're going to change the name of the podcast. And I've been like experiencing fear about it because I'm just like, well, what if... What if we change the name and then like, I don't know, we lose the Facebook page to it or like people hate the new name. They all unsubscribe. And when I was starting this, like there was nothing there. Like I didn't have anything. So I just didn't care about the name. Like I wasn't scared that I picked the wrong name. I just, I just picked a name and went with it. Yeah. And built it. You know, filled that name with meaning. But once you have something, there's like, there's the fear of losing it. I think it makes you operate more cautiously and you're less willing to take risks less willing to do things that are kind of outside your comfort zone. Yeah. It's another one of those patterns where like over time you become less able to do the things that ever got you where you were in the first place. Mm -hmm. Another pattern being musicians who run out of creative energy when they're rich and famous and don't have struggling lives to write about. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like uh, the sophomore something. And I think, I think the sophomore slump comes from like that, but also the whole, um, what's the word over justification effect. We're like, you had no expectations for the first album, so you just poured your heart into it and did whatever you wanted. And then the second album, it's like there's all these critics and fans, and you know you hit like platinum with the first one, so you got to hit double platinum with the second one. It's like all these external expectations. Yeah. And they just stifle creativity. I've just been wondering, like, how do we cut fear out of the equation? How do we cut external expectations out of the equation and enable creativity? I don't, know, well, it's, I don't know. It's interesting because like, yeah, you, you didn't fear the first time. It's the same thing. Yeah. If your project doesn't work out, nobody yeah. likes it. That could have happened the first time, but you weren't taught to fear it yet. Mm-hmm. And if it didn't work out the first time, I mean, that might've been what you were expecting. Yeah. I guess that's the difference. Yeah. The first time you do something, your expectation is maybe not failure, but not virality, not, you know, it's a not great. breakaway success. You're just like, I'm just going to do it because you know, I'm going to do it and probably won't go anywhere. I remember I, I literally have a Facebook chat log with a friend of mine in college saved. And we were talking about the formation of College Info Geek. And he was just like, who knows? Maybe it'll take off someday. Nah. And we both had a good laugh about it. And now I look back on that and it's like, oh, it actually did take off. That was not the expectation we had. Yeah. You know, but once you get there, then like that becomes the expectation. And your brain still knows it's it like should be unlikely. So you feel like you have to, I don't know, operate the exact way you did the first time. That's, that's the way it worked the first time. Yeah. Well, if you do that, you just become a pattern and everything loses its originality and its passion. Yeah. I've Googled this numerous times and I cannot find the name, but I heard about like this Russian author who every time he would get a bestseller, he'd go gamble all of his money away on purpose just so he wasn't rich and complacent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the like, name right now. Because every time I Google it, like, there's a Russian author that does come up who had gambling problems, but it was never like, I can't find the article where it was like, he did this for this reason. And maybe, I don't know, maybe he like said that as a justification. And that's where the story came from. I'm not sure. Yeah, we can't ask. But as an idea, it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was your third one, right? Yep. Cool. All right, well... I saved my favorite for last. Um, I think my favorite quote in the world is he who questions his training only trains himself to ask questions from the the movie, the mystery men. Oh, (laughs) 
because he's the sphinx says that and then one of the people's like yeah but why do i have to wear watermelons on my feet the sphinx is like i never told you to do that yeah. <laughs> i just love that um my favorite real quote is from bruce lee and it goes adapt what is useful reject what is useless and add what is specifically your own this is like one of the the main mantras i live by I'm constantly looking for like the gold nugget in anything that I'm told, anything I read, anything I see. And I think there's a lot that can be learned from this quote. For example, um, the whole like you can learn from anyone kind of thing. Like I occasionally see people in my YouTube comments. So like my, my uh, why you're always tired video starts out with like a joke. I'm like, the only reason that you're any different than like JK Rowling and Saitama from One Punch Man and Elon Musk is because you're always tired. Because I'm like, I'm setting them up as like successful people. And I've had a few people in the comments go, this video is invalid because you're using JK Rowling, who's a super liberal as an example. And I'm like, aha, uh -huh, oh, I see they've thought so this through. Your tribalistic brain has decided that because she follows a different political ideology from you, that all of her success and all of her skills are absolutely invalid and she's actually not a successful person. Like, this is the problem. Like, people get into like these tribalistic states of mind and they're they think that the only valid sources of learning and information in the world come from people who's who hold those exact same ideologies. Mm -hmm. And that's completely wrong. Like Somebody with the worst beliefs in the world could still be amazing at the guitar. Yeah. And you could like watch them play the guitar and you'd be like, oh, that's actually a pretty good technique. You know, maybe I'm not going to like be racist like they are, but I'm going to play guitar like they are. Yeah. You like know, if, then if you I'll, cast like, I'll, everything aside, I'll attach that guitar technique to my better beliefs and, you know, I'll write some better songs or something like that. Like you can learn anything from anyone. So, uh, adapt what is, is useful reject what is useless. So like if you're looking at somebody who has negative qualities, reject those, but then adapt the useful qualities for yourself. Uh, I think that the most common version of this is like every kid who doesn't want to be like the negative aspects of their parents, you know? Well, it doesn't mean that you should do nothing your parents did because they probably did some things right. Yeah. People aren't all or nothing, good exactly. or bad. Um, another good little insight from this quote is that uh, not every piece of advice you're given is relevant to you. It may be very relevant to the person who gave it to you, but it may not be relevant to you because there are different, um, you know, different environments, different capabilities. People have different um, limitations, all kinds of things like that. So, for example, if I were to tell a student in college who's starting a blog, you know, you got to do right now, you got to hire a virtual assistant to deal with your email. Yeah, that doesn't. It's, it's taken so much time. Uh, an effort off my plate. Like I've, I've got so much time back, you know, it's worth paying for it. It only cost me like a thousand bucks a month. That makes sense for me. Yeah. The context that makes sense not for fit Elon at all Musk. for a student. But you know, if, if I'm talking to like 19 year old Thomas, who's in college starting the blog, but has barely any money to his name, that is a terrible piece of advice. You know, what would be a much better piece of advice for that version of me is no DIY everything because what you have right now is time. Uh, you have a distinct lack of expectations, at least of the nature that I have, and you don't have money. Yeah. You don't have processes in place to take the time out to build a team while still getting your work done. You're at the start. 
you know, I wouldn't tell like somebody on level one of a video game to skip to the final boss immediately, unless they're playing Breath of the Wild. Technically, you can beat Ganon right away, but it's pretty tough. I'm probably gonna tell people like, go, you know, go fight some divine beasts, get some weapons, get some armor. It's a good idea. Then come back and fight Ganon, okay? So like, if somebody who's I don't know a high powered CEO is like, yeah, you just gotta hire yourself a you know entire team of security consultants, and you're a freelance web designer like no that doesn't make sense and you're rarely going to get something that's like that blatantly non-applicable to you but there are a lot of pieces of advice out there uh, that we we assume are correct because they come from sources of authority and they're not yeah i remember when i was a younger blogger uh derek halpern from social triggers was like kind of hot and really uh, big in marketing circles at the time and he was always like, you got to spend 20% of your time on content creation, 80% of the time on promotion. And like, he, he, he said it like it was truth. But I feel like that is completely wrong. Because if I'm spending only 20% of my time on making content, then that, how good can that content be? I'm taking like, if I have an eight hour work day and I'm spending like, you know, only one and a half hours writing my articles and then I'm spending six and a half hours like trying to tweet it or trying to, I don't know, <laughs> do marketing some other way. Like those activities aren't useless, but at the, end of the, at the end of the day, like what I'm putting out into the world is content. That has to be good. So the majority of my time should be going there. Yeah, everything is just, everything ends up being subjective and you can't mm-hmm. just follow what people you like believe and you can't disregard what people you don't like believe. Yeah. And all this is really just, people are dumb with their beliefs. <laughs> we really like stuff that justifies making us feel like we were already smart. Yes. Yeah. So, and I forgot about this because I've made like 150 videos now, but a way long time ago, I made a video called Your Brain is a Library of Stuff That Works. And what I mean by that is like, through your own experiences, through your own trials and tribulations, you are going to find things that work for you and you're going to find things that don't work for you. And the only way you're going to figure that out is by number one, learning, and then number two, applying what you learn and figuring it out. Yeah. You know? And having broad experiences so that you get a chance to learn things that you wouldn't have known at all in your normal circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So those are our quotes. I think we had technically nine. Yeah, there were a bunch. There was, there was some cheeky well, face I, ones. Well, I almost had another cheat quote. What was it? That gets uh, us to an even 10. Oh, okay, okay. Well, there's this one from Mark Twain, also from a book, but I didn't read this one, so I can't say I pulled all of them directly from fiction I've read. Okay. Uh, it's... Uh, so on the whole, you should experience things and try things out for yourself. Uh, travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. Mm. Basically, you you can't know at all the experiences of you know the billions of other humans. Yeah. So you cannot make good assumptions about anything and in order to expand your mind you need to see things you would never have imagined first yeah that's a good one i remember my trip to japan really broadened my horizons yeah just made me think very differently well i mean i feel like this is part of the reason there's that thought where like if you go off to college you you like end up different from all the people that stayed in hometown because you went and experienced a dramatically different thing Mm -hmm. and you realized oh the way maybe i did things in my hometown isn't the only way and maybe not even necessarily the right way. That's interesting. There are so many different ways and yet everybody manages to survive somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, that was a definitely a life-changing experience for me. Well then, I guess that was 10 quotes. Bonus. Bonus quotes, yeah. Six quotes plus four bonus quotes. That's the College Info Geek promise because we have a tough time actually narrowing down our outlines. Yep. <laughs> I think I had like 20 in my outline. Well, yeah, I just like, <laughs> I was I was putting them all in this note and then I just put a line to separate That's the quotes idea. that I wasn't picking. I just took the three I was going to do out of Evernote and put them into Notion um, and I have not opened Evernote. Yeah. So I haven't been tempted to go down my list of other quotes. Yeah. Oh, this is a good, this whole episode for the stuff that I said, good example for any of you that are always like, but why should I read fiction? That's pointless. A lot of wisdom comes from fiction. All three of my favorite quotes came from fiction. That's true. So Yeah, I think the most significant change in my life was spurred by reading fiction. Yeah. You know, or at least helped along by it. So I think that'll do it. This is episode 251 of the College Info Geek Podcast. So cigpodcast.com slash 251 if you want to find the show notes, which I think is mainly going to consist of these quotes being written down. <laughs> yep let's add click to tweet buttons yeah and you well, you can't even click to tweet my first one because it's a huge quote so maybe not but uh you can at least i don't know go copy them save them into your evernote or your note taking system put them on your wall there actually is one that i think i'm going to print out and put on my wall can i do can i do like one more bonus oh yeah, yeah. one more bonus quote. all right all right every quote known to man <laughs> every quote known to me yeah where is it um so yeah i'll round the episode out with this this is from marcus aurelius in his book meditations do not disturb yourself by picturing your life as a whole do not assemble in your mind the many and varied troubles which have come to you in the past and will come again in the future but ask yourself with regard to every present difficulty what is there in this that is unbearable and beyond endurance you would be ashamed to confess it and then remind yourself that it is not the future or what is past that afflicts you, but always the present. And the power that, and the power of this is much diminished if you take it in isolation and call your mind to the task if it thinks that it cannot stand up to it when taken on its own. I think I'm going to print this out and put it on my wall. Because I really struggle with just picking one thing and applying my mind to it. Yeah. Like, especially right now, there's so much going on. We just moved to a new house. Like, there's all these projects going on. There's content, there's sponsors, all kinds of stuff. I'm just like, my brain is pulled in a thousand directions. And it's been causing a lot of stress. But, and, I mean, it, you know, I know, I know that the only way through it is to apply my mind to one task at a time. Yeah. But it's very difficult to, to get out of that whole, you know, hamster trying to run in 10 different directions state of mind especially when there's so many things that seem urgent. Yeah. So I need to remind myself of that. Uh, and hopefully that's a reminder for anybody else who's struggling with the same thing. So once again, cigpodcast.com slash 251 for all those quotes. And uh, let's see here, collegeinfogeek.com slash resources if you want to find our favorite books, our favorite apps, our favorite tools, our favorite brands of chewing gum, you probably won't find those there. I don't have one. <laughs> I don't have one either. I don't chew gum. Do they still make I the think I have zebra some, stripes like, ones? I don't know. I don't even know if that what was the brand name. <laughs> Juicy fruit. Um, I don't, even, I don't even remember the names of gum. I don't chew it. I have like some Altoids in my car. And, ah, got to have people review the podcast, right? 
Nah. If you want to support this show, you can go over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. All you got to do is open up iTunes or Apple Podcasts on your phone, search for College Info Geek, and then hopefully hit the five stars if you like this show. And also just leave a review. I don't know. Could be some emojis. Could be like what you hate about the show. I, I don't like, know what it is. I like emojis. But I do like I'm, going I'm hip now. Yeah. Are you hip? If I like do emojis. Do you have emojis in your to-doist tasks? I mean, not tasks, projects. Because um, I do. I have it in my uh, accomplishment log. That's pretty good. So they're everywhere. I'll allow it. All right. I think that about does it. So as always, thank you guys so much for listening or watching and hanging out with us. And we will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.